Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Just do. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right out of the week, and we're on to the offseason as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 225. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I catch up with our friend Greg Cosell, probably our last time here for a little bit with Greg as we talk about this Eagles roster going into the offseason. We're going to just kind of take a look position by position at the state of the team going into this 2020 offseason. Obviously a critical offseason. Everyone is, but we're really going to look at each of these positions on this Eagles roster and see, you know, where where are they going here moving forward starting this spring. So we'll do all that with Greg. Uh, but before we get into all that, a little bit more housekeeping again. Just a reminder, a couple things. Number one, Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, we're not going anywhere. We're going to have you uh, all kinds of football talk, X and O talk, Eagles talk every single week from now up until training camp. So stay right here, stay subscribed to the feed, and you'll keep getting the same kind of discussions they're used to having in season. Also, if you want to help us improve the show for next year, all you have to do is just go on to the description of this episode. You can go right in, just kind of slide over to the right. You'll see that there's uh, a link that you can click, take a quick three to five minute survey. And it, all it is is all about content, ways to improve the show. If you don't want to do it on your phone, you can go on to PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Eagle Eye Survey. I went and posted it on my Twitter account as well. So you can go just take that quick survey and it makes the show better for you guys. So that's all we're hoping to do, hoping to expand the show. And we just want to find and get a gauge of what exactly you guys are most interested in hearing. So go and do that if you get a chance. We're only The survey is only going to be open for another week or two. And then lastly, make sure you're tuned into the journey of the draft. We're actually going down this week, starting our coverage from the East-West Shrine Bowl down in St. Petersburg, Florida. So make sure uh, you know, you're know you tuned in for that, as well as the, the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl is live next week down in Senior Bowl, Alabama, or down in Mobile, Alabama. We'll be covering all the action there, top college players that are entering this 2020 NFL draft and talking X's and O's, scouting, player team building, player development, all that stuff every single week on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So make sure you are subscribed over there as well. All right. Let's get to it. Let's call, so go position by position on this Eagles team, going with Greg Cosell in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining us once again here on Chalk Talk on the Eli in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, our friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Uh, Greg, let's uh, let's dive into this Eagles offseason. And obviously, uh, all Eagles fans were disappointed, right? We wish that the, the Eagles were still playing, that they had played uh, this weekend in the divisional round. But uh, the season is over. Now we kind of take stock of what's going on. All, all the teams around the NFL that are not in the playoffs now have to do some self-scouting. They're going to look at what they do from a uh, from a schematic standpoint, from an X and O standpoint on both sides of the ball. But obviously, Obviously, on a personnel standpoint, kind of rehash what they have at each and every position. What do they have going into the into free agency? Who's a who's a free agent? Who's not? What does that mean for the depth chart going into 2020? So I thought, all right, let's kind of do the same thing here, and we'll start just really quickly. Just want to kind of give you the the uh, the rest the, the menu in terms of the draft picks because the Eagles right now uh, they've got their first overall pick, which is 21st overall as of this point. Their second round pick, 53 overall. Their third round pick, number 85 overall. 
overall. So you've got those first three picks. Then they've got their own fourth round pick. We don't know uh, what slot that is. They've got their own fifth plus New England's fifth round pick from the Michael Bennett trade last year. And then they have the sixth round pick this year from Atlanta in the Duke Riley trade. So those are the draft picks they have right now. They will get a couple of more, most likely once the compensatory picks are announced. I believe that's announced right around the time of the combine. So we'll get that uh, here in a few weeks. But uh, right now, those are the picks that the Eagles have at their disposal. Now, that being said, Greg, let's kind of dive into uh, this Eagles, you know, the quarterback room. We'll just go position by position here. And this is going to be very interesting because right now, the only player uh, that was on the 53-man roster that is scheduled to come back next year in terms of their contract is Carson Wentz. Both Josh McCown and Nate Sudfeld are both free agents, undra- or, uh, unrestricted free agents. And then Kyle Lalletta, who was on the practice squad, a former mid-round pick of the New York Giants, he was signed to a futures contract, so he is on the on the roster right now as well. So uh, what do you look at this quarterback position here going into the offseason, Greg? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Fran, and say that Carson Wentz will be the quarterback next year. I think we know he'll be the, the quarterback, yes. Oh, gee, I thought I was giving you a scoop. <laughs> well, let me, ask, <laughs> let me ask you this question. Walking away, now we're about a week away removed uh, from the Eagles season. Just big picture, what were your thoughts uh, on Carson and, and the, the arc that he followed this year? Uh, I thought overall he had a solid season. Uh, my guess is he would tell you that he probably missed some things that he could improve on, but I think you have to put him in context of the offense and the players that he was playing with. It was an offense that was very limited in terms of weapons, particularly on the perimeter. And therefore, it, it, it affected the design of the offense and the approach that the coaching staff could take it, philosophically. So he had to play within that, within those limitations. Uh, and I think given that, he played well. Uh, I think that what I, what I would love to see is I would love to see just a little uptick in his overall ball placement and accuracy on some shorter throws because I think those are the throws that really sustain offense. Uh, I would love to see a situation where the ball could be pushed down the field a little more by design, but then you need uh, people who can do that on the outside. So uh, so they were somewhat limited there. But I, th- I would say overall it was a very solid season. Yeah, I think when you talk uh, schematically about some of the things uh, that you'd like to see, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the the coaching changes the Eagles made uh, on Thursday, this past Thursday. Uh, they let go of offense coordinator Mike Groh, wide receivers coach Carson Walsh as well. So uh, there will be some differences uh, in this Eagles scheme a year from now. Very interested to see uh, who they decide to bring in and their impact uh, on the passing game and on the run game as well. But um, you know, I think when you look at Carson Wentz, I think the biggest takeaway from Eagles fan standpoint, you know, one of those cliches that we always see here about franchise quarterbacks is, oh, you know what? They raise the level of play of the guys around them. And I thought in that down the stretch, that final five games, you really saw that from Carson Wentz with the supporting cast that he had. You know, we know the names by now. He was able to raise their level of play, get them down the stretch. I know it was against, you know, the opponents that didn't have the best records, but you're looking at divisional games and those divisional games are never ones you just kind of throw away and say, oh, that's going to be a gimme game. He was able to do that uh, on the road in some instances and must win games. All of those were must win games after the loss to my Miami, and he was able to get it done with that cast. And I think that, to me, was one of the bigger takeaways for sure uh, from an Eagles fan standpoint is, okay, we can t- we can go out of this season knowing, you know, he's got that in him. We saw some late-game uh, late comebacks. You know, we saw the fourth quarter comeback, the overtime win, uh, and doing that with that supporting cast, with some of the limitations they had, uh, I thought that was impressive. I would agree. And I think no matter who you do that against, that is impressive. Um, and, and keep in mind, they only could do it a certain way because right. they really did not have an explosive play element. So this was an offense that really had to do it through sustaining drives. Um, 
they did not have that many 20 plus yard plays down the stretch because they didn't have the people to do that. And, you know, then when you're talking about 12, 13 play drives and they had a bunch of those, uh, that's hard to do. So given what Carson Wentz was working with, I think that he performed pretty admirably down the stretch. No question. And obviously with the, the backup situation, you know, we, we all know how important the backup quarterback spot is for any NFL team. Uh, they'll, I'm sure they'll be looking to figure out who is going to be that guy. Are they going to bring back a Nate Sudfeld? Is Josh McCown going to play another year? Or is there somebody else out there that they would be interested in bringing in? And uh, time will tell in that scenario. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at with quarterback. Let's move over to the running back spot, Greg. And obviously a very interesting discussion to be had there because – you have the rookie, Miles Sanders, who had, who performed very well, especially in the second half of the season. Jordan Howard looked very good in the first half of the season before his injury. Uh, Jordan Howard is set to be a free agent. Corey Clement is also a restricted free agent, so he could be back unless the, depending on the tender that he's given in the spring. And then Darren Sproles, we know, is going to retire. So in terms of who is going to be on the roster right now, I think you've got Miles Sanders. You've got Boston Scott. We, we saw what he was able to do down the stretch. Elijah Holyfield was a player that they signed uh, late in the season. I know you you were a fan of his at Georgia. And then I, I mentioned Corey Clement, a restricted free agent. So uh, if he were tendered, the Eagles could match any offer that he were given in free agency. What are your thoughts on this running back picture going into the offseason? Well, I think the Eagles would feel comfortable, Fran, with Miles Sanders and with Boston Scott at this point. Um, Sanders, you know, was drafted in the second round. Uh, it, it's normally an offense that doesn't rely on one back to carry 20, 22 times a game. But I think Sanders could fill the role of the so-called fa- foundation back in this style of offense. Uh, and I think he kind of proved that down the stretch. He's also a very, very good pass receiver. So he helps you there. And I think Boston Scott provided a little juice. And we saw that he could run the ball. And he actually could ran the ball inside as well. Uh, and he's also a good receiver. So I think they have two players that who, who are both under contract correct? Scott's under contract as yes, well? Yes, sir. Yep. He is under contract. So, he is under contract. So you have Sanders, who's going into his second year, who I'm sure learned a ton this season, and I think it showed as the year progressed. And then you've got Scott, who provides um, a different kind of back with a little juice. And so those two, I think, are a good starting point. What happens after that? Uh, you know, I always like Corey Clement. I liked him coming out of Wisconsin more than most. I thought he was a draftable player, and I think he's shown in his, when he's played for the Eagles that he does have value. And uh, so we'll see. But I think it, when you start with those top two, you probably feel pretty good about that position. Yeah, I think when you look at Corey Clement, certainly injuries have played a factor over the last two seasons. Uh, we remember how much of an impact he had in that Super Bowl run. You could argue uh, he was most likely the the MVP of that Super Bowl victory over New England uh, if Nick Foles uh, didn't win the award. So I think when you look at Clement, uh, you've got a, a body of work there. The injuries have just banged him up over the last couple of years. I think when you lose a guy like Jordan Howard, uh, you know, if he were to leave in free agency, I think you still like to have that kind of a presence. So whether that is bringing back a guy, bringing back Jordan Howard or someone like that, I think that that can offer you, you know, the ability to be, you know, someone that can be a tone setter early, you know, because Miles Sanders isn't necessarily that guy. He's obviously a more dynamic playmaker uh, and certainly someone that you'd like to have kind of finish games for you as well, be that kind of a player. I wonder if there's somebody that kind of fits that mold, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through free agency or trade, uh, some kind of player that kind of fits that kind of role, I think would benefit this squad as well. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, that will all depend on, on Howard and uh, what kind of offers he may or may not get, because my guess is they're not going to sign him to a long-term deal at, at real good money, and he may not get that kind of offer anyway. Right. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting just to kind of follow that uh, early through the offseason. All right, let's transition to one uh, that Eagles fans are very interested in talking about is the wide receiver position. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, under contract. Alshon Jeffrey, under contract. Nelson Aguilar is going to be a free agent. Uh, so those are your top three receivers coming into this season. I think we, we don't know what's going on with Alshon Jeffrey with his injury. He's got that uh, that foot injury that he suffered midway through the season right after that Miami game. Um, so his status, I guess, for the early part of 2020 uh, will be a top of discussion throughout the summer. I think now you look at the rest of those players, and these are all guys that we talked about playing down the stretch. Greg Ward, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, the second-round pick from this spring. Deontay Burnett, who was picked up off waivers. Robert Davis picked up off waivers. Uh, Shelton Gibson picked up off waivers and brought back. Mark and Michelle was signed to a futures contract. He was with the team all summer. Marcus Green, a speedster, was signed to a futures contract. And then River Crackcraft. I think when you look at you know these guys that we're talking about, it's really Greg Ward, Ortega Whiteside, then you have Deontay Burnett, Richard Davis, or Robert Davis, and Shelton Gibson. All these guys kind of competing on the back end for that fourth, fifth, sixth, or fourth, fifth spot. And now it's okay. What is Greg Ward? And I think I guess how does he fit in to that receiver room moving forward? What is your opinion on Greg Ward and what his role could be for this team in 2020 and beyond? Well, I think ultimately Greg Ward is a complementary piece. You know, if you believe that he can really improve and become a quality NFL wide receiver, you're seeing him essentially as a slot receiver. Uh, We know in the NFL that no one lines up exclusively in the slot or exclusively outside. But I think when all said and done, that's what he ultimately would be. And you're hoping he develops, I would guess, into something like a Jamison Crowder type receiver, a good slot receiver. Um, It's on the outside that there's a lot of uncertainty, Fran. Um, Deshaun Jackson coming back from a surgery he's what going to be 34 35 ish he's in that range i believe so early 30s yep yeah and and alshon jeffrey who um we don't know about his situation and he's become a certain kind of receiver as well late in his career does not have the same kind of movement skills that he had earlier in his career so at this point it's a position that to me is totally up in the air and needs to be addressed i don't think you can just rely on the names you mentioned to be your receiving core next year i think that's a position that needs to be addressed yeah it's going to be interesting because with those guys still under contract it's not like all those guys are free agents nelson aguilar the only free agent on that list so uh injuries certainly will come into play there um but i think when you look at that group okay greg ward we feel is a guy that you know has played well and and competed well he's going to be in the mix so when we get to august and you jj ortega whiteside a second round pick he's going to be in the mix when we get to august what else uh gets added into that room especially considering again the injuries uh will be interesting to see and you have free agency again the draft uh waivers trades all that stuff so uh very interesting to see how they continue to build that room and again with another wide receiver coach and this will be the uh the fifth receivers coach in Philadelphia over the last five years um you know so we'll see who exactly uh that will be here in the coming days or weeks to come but uh let's go over the tight end spot and obviously a strength uh for this team right I mean we've got uh Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard kind of cemented in as maybe the the best two tight ends in the NFL when you talk about one-two punch on any given team uh Josh Perkins was able to fill in late in the season as a third tight end. Alex Ellis as well was signed to a futures contract. He was here throughout most of training camp and the preseason and performed well, was signed back to the practice squad late in the year. And then uh, Richard Rodgers, who was set to become an unrestricted free agent, but uh, has been with this team for the last couple of years as well. So uh, this tight end room looks to be in pretty good shape. 
Yeah, that would be the least of my worries with this offense. I think you've got Zach Ertz, who's really good, and Goddard, who I think is coming on and has a chance to be a really good receiver, kind of a, a little more ex- naturally explosive than Zach, and so he gives them a different dimension. But I think those two are really solid. So the question you ultimately have, and much of this will depend on what happens at wide receiver, is how do you see this offense going forward from a personnel standpoint? Do you think in terms of 12 personnel, meaning two tight ends, or do you you know, think in terms of 11 personnel, three wide receivers. Obviously, you can do both. It's just the relative degree to which you sort of structure your offense philosophically. I mean, Goddard and Ertz both have lined up as detached players from the formation. Uh, Goddard may ultimately be better suited for that role. Uh, so we'll see. But clearly, the tight end position, Fran, that's a position of strength. So when, when you look at this, and we talked so much about 12 personnel last year after the, you know, the D- Dallas Goddard's rookie year, all right, this is going to be the base personnel package for this Eagles offense. How do they find guys to complement it? How, how do you kind of see that offense being most effective, that personnel package being most effective? Are there certain kind of skill sets at wide receiver and running back that you would want to see from that group? Well, Look, if you have 12 personnel on the field, obviously you can't. You're not always lining up with your tight ends on the line of scrimmage. You need tight ends who can detach from the formation if you're going to use that a meaningful amount. Now, this year they did it out of necessity. So over the last what five, six games, it was 60 over 60 percent with 12 personnel. More than likely, you don't want that percentage to be that high. But I think what you're, you know, you're looking for is tight ends with multiple skill sets, which they have, that can detach from the formation, that can be factors in the pass game, and obviously also can be good blockers in the run game. I think Goddard can be that guy. Um, he can probably be a pretty complete tight end. Uh, then it, then it, it's how it impacts your run game. The question is, what, what does your run game become? Uh, is your run game a run game where you're under center? Is your run game a shotgun run game? Are you looking to get to the perimeter? Are you looking to work inside? I think there's a lot of factors that come into play, but you do lose some explosiveness, obviously, if you're going to play a lot with two tight ends on the field. Yeah, and that's why I think when you look at the, the how those other positions kind of uh, complement those two guys, you look at running back, and that's, you know, Miles Sanders is a great 12 personnel back because he can both carry the football and be a matchup player in space if you want to try and play that game, right. you know, try and go empty and go hurry up and, and play the matchup game with opposing defenses. And, you know, since you're losing a little bit of that speed by putting a tight end on the field instead of a slot receiver, having speed on the outside, on the perimeter, uh, certainly is, is very, very important and something that the Eagles were missing once, you know, Nelson Aguilar and all those guys were so injured. Uh, losing that speed element uh, down the stretch was certainly a factor for this Eagles team. We talked about it, and that's why they had to play a certain way, particularly in the back half of 2019. All right, uh, let's go over to the offensive line and a group that, look, when you look at this from, from top to bottom, this Eagles roster, offensive line is one of the best in the league. Uh, when you look at this uh, going forward, obviously Jason Peters has been a longtime starter here. He is set to hit the free agent market. Andre Diller, the first-round pick a year ago, uh, has the ability to step in and play left tackle. We saw him do it for four or five games this year uh, and play pretty well. And I think when you look at uh, rookie offensive lineman in the NFL, he was able to do a really nice job, especially at the offensive tackle spot. Isaac Sayamalo at left guard, Jason Kelsey at center, Brandon Brooks right guard, Lane Johnson right tackle. Very, very good group. But then you get to the depth uh, at tackle. You've got Jordan Mailata. You've got Matt Pryor who will play tackle and guard. Nate Herbig can play guard and center. Sue Opeta, a rookie undrafted free agent uh, who was on the roster in the 53-man. And then Keegan Render was signed to a futures contract. The two guys that are set to hit the market are Jason Peters and Big V, Halapulavati Vaitai. Greg, how do you feel about this offensive line going into the offseason? 
You know, my sense is that Peters would probably not be re-signed. I don't know that, but my sense is that they probably feel that Dillard, who they drafted in the first round, and didn't they move up to get him in the first round? They did, yep. Yeah, so I would think they'd want him to be the starting left tackle next year. Uh, So it would not surprise me if Peters, given his age, uh, I would say given the fact that he's he seems to be prone to injury at this point in his career, which is not surprising. And I think you could easily make an argument based on tape study that he's not the same player he was three, four years ago, which is perfectly natural. So I would think they would want Dillard to be the starter at left tackle. Obviously, they've got Lane Johnson at right tackle, one of the best right tackles in the league. The question is Kelsey at center, who talked about retiring a year ago. Is he going to think about that again, or is he back as your starting center? If he's back as your starting center, then you're set at left guard and at right guard. And I thought Pryor acquitted himself pretty well at right guard uh, once uh, Brooks got hurt. And I think that that is a real positive for them from a depth standpoint going forward. Yeah, just knowing that you have a guy that can fill in at both tackle and guard, uh, even if he's not a future starter, just knowing you have that kind of a swing backup, those guys are can be tough to come by, and they're very, very valuable. We've seen that with Big V. Uh, Halapulavati Vitae has been that guy. So if Matt Pryor can be that guy, that gives you, a, you know, a, a sense of calming moving forward. Without question. Uh, so I think that, again, I think that's a strong part. Obviously, if Dillard becomes the starter, there could be some growing pains here and there, depending on the nature of the opponent. But he certainly has left tackle traits. We both liked him coming out of college. Um, I think most people did. Most people saw the, the footwork, the movement. There's always techniques to learn when you're going now up against big-time NFL pass rushers. And obviously the run game is still, I'm sure, a learning phase for him, The moving forward and, and dealing with the kind of blocks you do in the run game. But he's got left tackle traits. He was drafted to play left tackle. All right, let's get over to the defensive side, Greg, and we talk about uh, the strength of this defense being that defensive front. You look at the D-line, uh, all these starters set to come back. The guys that you went into this season with as the starting lineup, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, who a lot of people forget about, was injured in the first game, uh, was on injured reserve, scheduled to come back. He is under contract for 2020. Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham at defensive end. Your free agents, Tim Jernigan, Vinnie Curry, Hassan Ridgeway, who got some starts uh, midway through the year. That leaves you with a, a pretty interesting cupboard of guys left left over. You've got Josh Sweat, former fourth-round pick, who played as a third, fourth defensive end this year and gave him some quality snaps. Jannard oh, yeah. Avery, who was acquired via a, a trade at the trade deadline for a fourth-round pick. He's going to be in the picture for next year. Sharif Miller, fourth-round pick this season. So you've got some young players there to kind of work with at defensive end. Bruce Hector at defensive tackle. Uh, uh, Anthony Rush at defensive tackle, who gave them some quality snaps late. He's a guy I expect to be certainly in the mix when we get to August. And then uh, Deshaun Hall had the injury late in the year in the, in the, in the regular season finale. So I would imagine that that's going to cloud his status moving into 2020. But Joe Osman was a guy in the summer who made a lot of noise coming off the edge. The defensive end battle on the back end and the back end of that roster is going to be very, very interesting. And then Albert Huggins as well was signed to a futures contract. So uh, again, you kind of go into this offseason saying, okay, you got you feel pretty good about where you're at with your starters with Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett on the back end of defensive end. Jannard Avery, Josh Sweat, Sharif Miller, Joe Osman. Who are those guys that's going to step up and continue to kind of be that impact player off the bench? That's going to be very interesting for this team. And then uh, defensive tackle, you know, Malik Jackson coming off the injury. What does he look like? How does he rehab? Uh, going ne- next to Fletcher Cox and then those young guys behind them. It's a, it's a very interesting D-line room. It's a strength to me. Uh, you know, 
you make a great point about Malik Jackson. I thought when they signed him, it was a really good signing because Malik Jackson kind of fit the group because he could play defensive end and defensive tackle, and he's a very good player. He's got length. He's got movement, um, and I thought that was a great signing. Obviously, he got hurt, but he will be back. We don't know what he still can do at this point given that he's been in the league for quite a number of years. If he's somewhat like the old Malik Jackson, then he comes back, and that just adds to the strength of this unit. But I think this is a real strength of their of their team. It's obviously the strength of their defense. So there, there's a lot of depth. You mentioned Josh Sweat. I thought he gave this team a lot of quality snaps this year, and I would expect him to continue to improve, Fran. Um, you know, he was a big-time recruit coming out of high school. Uh, he had some, some significant injuries that he's probably still working through. Uh, but – uh, I thought he had some really good snaps. To me, one of the big things, I think, for Eagles fans going into the offseason was Fletcher Cox's performance in the playoff game and just what he was able to do down the stretch. I think some fans were concerned hey, you know, midway through that we hadn't seen a lot of Fletcher. Only three and a half sacks this year. He had ten and a half a year ago. But remember, coming off that injury, off that surgery from January in that playoff game against New Orleans, you know, it took him a little bit of time to get back into full form. You saw that explosiveness yep. uh, in flashes, I would say, around like week six, week seven. You started to kind of bounce back that same power that we became used to. And then again, it really kind of came to fruition uh, in the back half of the year. I thought we really saw the, the, our, the, the Fletcher Cox that we all know and love that we're used to seeing on film on the back end of, 2020, or of 2019. I would agree 100%. I mean, he, was, he had dominant snaps, uh, a number of dominant snaps down the stretch, and he looked really good. And, you know, they have a lot of versatility and flexibility positionally with that D-line, and I always think that's good that you, if you can move people around. We saw Cox play snaps at D-end. Graham obviously plays both inside and outside. Um, so this is a really strong group and, and with a lot of depth right now. There are certainly snaps available when you look at the guys that are free agents, too. With Tim Jernigan uh, hitting the free agent market. Vinnie Curry played a lot of snaps for this team this year. Hassan Ridgeway, before he got hurt, was also a player that gave him a lot of snaps. So there's young guys on the backside of this that you know could you know see a little bit more time next year, uh, if the, uh, that's barring anybody being added as well in the draft or via free agency. Yeah, no, no question. That, that's, that's a group we're pretty excited about, I think, going forward. And, uh, you know, I'm real anxious to see Derek Barnett's continued growth as right. well. Because obviously he was a first-round pick. And, uh, you know, again, I don't look at number of sacks to say whether a guy had a good year. I thought he showed flashes of, of adding to his array of moves as a pass rusher. And I'm anxious to see. Hopefully he has a good, healthy offseason, yep. can really get some quality work in. And I think he has a chance to become a really good player. Yeah, he's he hasn't had many healthy off seasons. He's no, been dealing with surgeries and stuff coming from uh, the seasons after the Super Bowl year and then after last season as well. So uh, getting him healthy for this off season, allowing him to continue to develop both you know from a skill standpoint and then from a physical standpoint will be really good for him. Because I agree, we saw some really good flashes from Derek Barnett this year. Let's get over to the the linebacker spot, and I think when you look at this group, uh, Kamu Grugier Hill, uh, our starter that had a really good summer, was banged up early, was banged up late, but showed good flashes. He's the only only free agent. Everybody else scheduled to come back. Nigel Bradham, Nate Gary, TJ Edwards were guys that were the three starters on the back end of the year. Duke Riley, they acquired via trade midseason from Atlanta. Former mid-round pick, athletic, good special teams player. Ended up playing a role on defense as well as a sub-package player late down the year. And then Alex Singleton, a special teams player who was acquired last spring. Yeah, I keep going back and forth with this group, Fran. I mean, I feel like Nate Gary played pretty well. Uh, but then I think to myself, okay, he played well, but 
is he the guy who's going to be your guy to play? Because obviously he played in the nickel as well. He did not play in the dime, but he played the nickel. So he was playing a lot of snaps this season. And is he the guy who's going to you look at next year to play 50, 60 snaps a game, sure. you know, 80% of your snaps? You know, you have to decide that. And I haven't really decided, quite honestly, how I feel about that yet. Bradham obviously will be back. He got signed to a deal, what, a year or so ago. So he's going to be back. He's the linebacker that never comes off the field. Um you know, the big question is, are, are are those guys just good, solid players or can they become more impactful? And ultimately, I think that's you, you have to make that decision as an organization, because, you know, I think they're they're not bad players. You know, it's not like, oh, my God, you can't put these guys out there. But then with a lot of these really good teams, particularly when they're in their sub package. And if you play nickel, you want your two linebackers to have some kind of impact, not just to be solid players. So I'm, I keep going back and forth on that. And I, I don't know if I've come to a conclusion yet. Yeah, I guess when you're talking about how do you stack those guys in terms of positional value, that certainly yes. comes uh, into the equation. But yeah, playmaking uh, certainly is a, a trait that you'd love to be able to have from those guys at the second level. Uh, you could go back to the impact Jordan Hicks had early in his career. You know, he was obviously had a lot of injuries when he was here in Philadelphia, and that impacted his value. But I think when you look at that position, the ability to make plays in coverage or as a pass rusher, something along those lines in the pass game uh, certainly goes a long way. Uh, let's go to the cornerback spot, and that's going to be one of the more interesting topics this offseason, Greg, because you know, coming in to the offseason, you've got Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby both set to hit the free agent market. They were the starters for the Super Bowl year. They were the starters for much of this year when they were healthy. Obviously, both had injury issues this year and going back to a year ago in 2018. This year, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do with those two guys. Yeah, I mean, this is the position, and you and I have spoken about this, that they really do have to address because they don't have people under contract. You know, we spoke about the wide receiver position and feeling that they might need more competition, but they have players under contract so they can line up people right now. You just don't know because these players are not under contract. And then, you, you know, you start going down in the depth chart. So that this is a position that needs to be addressed either with their own players, depending on how they feel about it. Um, you know, how do they feel about Jalen Mills? Is, and is Jalen Mills, does he and his agent, do they feel he's going to get a, you know, four or five year deal at big money? We don't know that. Um, but it's a position that clearly needs to be addressed uh, because they don't have players under contract. Yeah, I think when you look at right now where the roster sits, you know, Avante Maddox, Razul Douglas, Craven LeBlanc, based off the depth chart at the end of the year, they would be your starters. And you look at Sidney Jones, you've got Craig James, who was a special teams player, and they signed Tremont Smith, a young player, uh, to a futures contract. But uh, certainly from a body standpoint, yeah, they're going to need to continue to add some people there, uh, whether it's bringing in a starter or if you feel that Avante Maddox, uh, Razul Douglas, or Sidney Jones, or Craven LeBlanc, who, who are your top three going into the year? That'll be a question that's got to get answered uh, sooner rather than later over well, the, last couple of, the next couple of months. Here's a couple of questions you've got to answer. And, and, you know, you and I can talk about it all day long. We're not the coaching staff, so we don't know the answer. But I thought LeBlanc had some good moments as a slot corner this year. Yep. But you have to decide then what is Avanti Maddox? Is Avanti Maddox a slot corner, in which case you have two slot corners? Or is can Maddox truly be an outside corner given that he's 5'9"? And I love the kid. I love the way he plays. I think he's feisty. He's competitive. There are times, for those who remember, he reminded me of Brent Grimes, who I thought, you know, played as an outside corner in this league for a lot of years and handles himself extremely well at 5'9", 5'10". So how does the organization feel about Maddox? 
do they see him as an outside corner? Obviously, he's under contract because this was his second year, so he's still on his rookie deal. Uh, if you see him as an outside corner, then you may feel pretty good about him at outside, LeBlanc at, at in the slot, and then you just have to look at your other corner position, and and maybe that can be addressed. Yeah, and I think it's, it's what's interesting too, and not to jump right into safety, but I think with that position, you know, you've got a couple of guys, and in that cornerback room with safety experience, you know, Avante Maddox played safety in the NFL as a rookie Correct. for a few games. Jalen Mills played safety going back to his days at LSU. He was a, a safety, a nickel, and an outside corner, so he's got experience there. A lot of fans and media seem to believe that Russell Douglas could make that move to safety. He's spent some time a little bit there over the last couple of years. So with all those guys, you know. If you look at safety, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, he's another year older and there's, you know, the, he's said that he's not going to play under the current contract. He said that in the locker room uh, early, early on Monday, the day after the Eagles lost. Rodney McLeod set to hit the free agent market. They acquired Rudy Ford last summer. He spent most of the year on injured reserve and then they went and acquired Marcus Epps, became a nice player in their sub package. But uh, the safety position also one where you're going to see a potential transition there with McLeod hitting the free agent market. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, you know, Taking Jenkins at his word, who knows what that means? But now McLeod's going to hit the free market. So uh, again, now you're now you're dealing with a position you have to address because you've got to put people out there. So again, now we don't know what they feel about Epps. Did you say Epps was a free agent or not? He is not. No, he's a rookie. Oh, yep. okay. So so Epps is back, but the question becomes. You know, do you see him as a starter? Can he jump right in if McLeod's gone? And McLeod's getting to be an older player too now, not old but older. Sure. So. The question is, are you looking to bring Rodney McLeod back? I, I like the player, but, you know, again, there's a certain value to that position. And to him, do you see Epps as a guy who can step in and, and be the starting safety? Uh, so the secondary, as you know, that may have to be addressed first and foremost because they don't have bodies right now. Yeah. Uh, unless they feel really good about Maddox as an outside corner. If you feel really good about Maddox as an outside corner, you may feel you don't need as much as you might think. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think when you look at those corners, uh, their ability to make make a move potentially over to safety, certainly something to keep in mind just because of the safety rotation and where, yep. and where guys could be uh, moving forward. So, uh, look, it's going to it's gonna be interesting offseason. Obviously, any big moves, we're always going to be breaking them down here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. Greg, uh, thanks so much for all of your efforts throughout the course of the season. We'll talk to you again soon. It won't be every week here uh, in the spring, but hopefully we'll have you again on soon here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. All right, Fran, thank you. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that you could find at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go into Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. And I want to give a shout-out to a couple of people who did that over the last couple of weeks. TRabbit55 left a five-star review saying it's an excellent excellent show and how much they love it. And Sterling Listener left a five-star review from Sterling, Massachusetts, saying it's a go-to podcast if you want real-world football talk. Love listening uh, as a Philadelphia transplant. So, uh, Sterling Listener, appreciate. Thank you for the rating, and thank you for listening each and every week here to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Great stuff from all of you, and great stuff. Uh, thank you so much to everybody that continues to listen to this podcast, not just on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles mobile app, but Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all of those platforms, wherever you listen. Thank you so much. And again, real quick, if you have a couple minutes, go take that survey that we've got open for you uh, over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Eagle Eye Survey. Again, you can also find it in the description of this episode of the podcast. All right. All that being said, another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacaro Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.